0: Especially during the pandemic, we're not moving around as much. We're not running errands as much. And our kids are sitting around much more. So I would say get your kids out, tire them out, and then just see when they
1: fall asleep. This is Mom Squad Pod, your weekly update on tips, tricks, and all things parenting with Maureen Kyle. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Mom Squad Pod, where we talk all things parenting. And today we are going to talk about how we're going to hit that daylight saving and and we fall back, we gain an hour. But we, uh, as we all know, that kind of messes with everybody's schedule. So I'm bringing in one of our best experts today, Dr. Carolyn Ivers Landis is a licensed clinical psychologist with a specialty in pediatric psychology at university hospitals rainbow babies and children's hospital and the reason why she's our expert she also has her diploma in behavioral sleep medicine i feel like every parent needs to have you on speed dial <laughs> i know that's how my patients are because they have my email now so they're like typing me stuff. yeah and as i was just telling you before we officially started i mean even just this morning my coworkers and I are all talking about all the little sleep issues that we're going, why is this happening? And why is this popping up? So before we get into all of that nitty gritty, um, is it our imagination or does when we flip between daylight saving and then ending it, does that mess with our schedules? Yes. I mean, it's, it's
0: just like being jet lagged, you know, it's just like going to Chicago, you know, and staying there. And, you know, and for most people, that's okay. For most people, adults and children, they can handle their schedule changing by an hour. I mean, if you go to Chicago, you don't feel totally out of it. Like if you go to California or Hawaii, where you feel like, whoa, you know, so it's really, yeah, it's totally normal. And there's even research that things happen at daylight like savings time. Like there are more car accidents. Can you believe it? That's kind of creepy, isn't it? They're actually thinking about doing away with it, which in the sleep world, we're the fans of doing away with that.
1: Yeah. Is it, um it, is this a myth? I mean, I just, maybe it's the way I think, especially being on a morning and overnight shift, I'm thinking, yeah. oh, when we fall back and we gain an hour, that's so much easier than when we spring ahead in the spring and we lose <laughs> that hour. Is that, is that correct thinking or? or that is. Both?
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, just like when you travel to the East Coast, it's so much easier for us to stay up later and sleep in than to fall asleep early, which we don't really have a lot of control, or to get up early. That's what I mean. So, yeah, sleeping in is obviously easier than getting up
1: early. So, you are exactly correct. There is a difference. What what about age groups? Are there certain age groups? Because I've as a mother of toddlers, I've always dreaded any time change because I feel like, oh, this is gonna screw up naps or whatever, but, you know, is it just a certain age group? Is it all age groups and do, you know, more adult children even struggle with sort of adjusting to the new routine? I think what's tricky, and this is like a shout out to all you
0: parents, is that yes, it's easy to fall sleep in, but it's not easy to go to bed fall asleep earlier and so we have to be careful about our how strict we are about bedtime routines and when kids are going into bed so i think that's really important to just kind of let your kid be you know a little bit just loosey-goosey for a little bit about the bedtime but be strict about the wake-up time don't let it continue to go because think about you sleep in during the week. And then on the weekend, do you sleep in another hour? Think about that. Then you're two hours. Right. So I would think if you're going to be strict about anything, be strict about the wake up time on the weekend, be like, Oh, let's try to get up around the same time, at least for a while.
1: Even if it's that's if it's like 6am, because I know like for a lot of people, the bus stop there, the bus shows up at like 715 for them. And so on the weekends, we always we get this advice but then i'm thinking well i don't want to set the alarm on saturday morning for 6am right well yeah that's that's a little bit draconian i mean
0: so i think yeah sleeping in till 7:30 or 8 most people can handle but think about that you're adding an extra hour so if you sleep in till 8 that's actually 3 hours difference than what you were doing before so you have to kind of i would say sleep in a little bit but just be careful about that cuz that can continue to perpetuate any problems that are
1: going on. It's so funny. I was sitting with a couple of moms at our Girl Scout troop meeting last night, and we were talking about the time change. And we're going, so wait, should we go to bed 15 minutes later or 15 minutes earlier? How do we wait? How how does this work? And we're we're <laughs> laughing because we've all been through multiple time changes in our life. And it's always so confusing. Like, how should we be adjusting our kids? Should we be doing earlier bedtime, later bedtime. Wait, what, how do we do this? So I what know, it? do you recommend yeah. for, for families? Um, I think what's probably the best thing
0: is to just like let your child go to sleep when they're sleepy. But what I really wanna stress is remember, it's gonna be darker earlier. So from a sleep vantage point, I really pay attention to that. So part of being able to sleep is building up this sleep hormone called adenosine. We build that up by being active, by being in the sunlight. So here you get home from work or you get home from, you know, daycare or aftercare, whatever. You're going to have much less time to be outside in the sun and to be active. So I think what's even more important than bedtime, which I feel like is too stressed in our society, like we're so into bedtime, bedtime, bedtime. Okay, what I would rather have people think about is activity, 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 being outside, moving around, especially during the pandemic. We're not moving around as much. We're not running errands as much. And our kids are sitting around much more. So I would say, get your kids out, tire them out, and then just see when they fall asleep. Obviously not midnight, you know, within a reasonable range, but you don't have to be like 15 minutes here or there. You can just kind of see when they're really sleepy and then let them fall asleep easily. And remember, it's supposed to take 20 to 30 minutes to fall asleep. It's not supposed
1: to be instantaneous.
0: So that's important to know too.
1: That is, that's a great point because one of my coworkers, like I said, we were talking about these weird sleep routines and, and we'll get to like napping and and routines in a minute. But what we were saying is, gosh, you know, our little ones are having trouble falling asleep at night. And I think we get stuck in this thought process that as soon as we put them down, they should be asleep within 10 minutes. And we think we're doing something wrong if they're, playing or talking to themselves or, you know, asking for water. So that lag time, that, that is normal to have. That like a, is
0: normal. Okay. That is normal. And I always tell people, and this is a huge tip is don't say, try to go to sleep or don't say my child can't sleep. I hear that every day, multiple times. So yes. you're not trying to go to sleep. You're hanging out and doing something while you're waiting to go to sleep. So your little one might be cuddling their animals. They might be, you know, sucking their binky. They're waiting to go to sleep. They're not crying. We're not robots. We can't, we can't force sleep.
1: Right. Yeah. That's, it's interesting. You say that because my youngest is three and she's been my biggest trouble sleeper. And I, she'll tell me, I can't go to sleep, mommy. I can't go to sleep. And I used to tell her just try. And then I, I finally got to the point, and I said, "You don't have to go to sleep." I said, "But do yeah. you wake up every morning?" I said, "You've never not, you've never not fallen asleep. You've never stayed up all night, right?" And I don't know if she knows what I'm saying, but she'll calm herself down. Yeah, I up on the like, just try, just close your eyes, just be quiet, you know. And I let her just sit there. But then Is you there, changed it. Yeah, I did just because. I was I was sick of sounding like a broken record. But is there a time point too where um like if they're up for an hour, an hour and a half, is there a time frame that's unusual where you might have to look at their routines, maybe their exercise during the day or that nap and think maybe something needs to change? Yes. Thank you
0: so much for that. Because I feel like there's a lot of national, you know, societies and organizations that tell people what the average sleep duration is. And parents look at that like it's the Bible and they're like, okay, I'm like, it needs 10 hours. My kids need 12 hours or whatever. But every child is different. Every person is different. I mean, in my practice, I see four-year-olds that sleep eight hours a night that's what's normal for them. So it's like, if your child is literally laying there for an hour or two every night and they can't sleep, then you're giving them too much opportunity for sleep possibly. And if you know, just you can put them to bed later and then when they're falling asleep more quickly, move their bedtime slowly earlier. That's called bedtime fading to see how much sleep you can get you know, you could also use something like a wrist tracker, like a Fitbit or something like that, and see how much sleep they're getting on average. And then kind of be like, oh, I guess I'm
1: putting them to bed too early. Right. Yeah. On the flip side of what's happening in my house. And, and I know I have a couple of friends who identify with this too. So I have one that's given that, that stays up late. And then I have another one. Um, my oldest actually wakes up Super early. I, I, she wakes up at like 5 a.m. and is walking around the house, you know, and turning on the TV and doing so. That's a whole other issue. We're just hoping that she she's not getting into trouble. But um, I, even this morning, I'm telling my husband, "Well, maybe she's just an early riser, and that's just her." And I'm looking at all the other factors in her life, and I'm thinking, "Okay, she's not struggling in school. She's not falling asleep at the dinner table." So I'm guessing this is okay. But are there are there signs? When your child isn't getting enough sleep, you know, and and maybe they're, they're waking up too early for some unnatural reason or staying up too late. What are those signs that we have to look for that their routine is out of whack? Right. And, you know, that's, I think that's so important
0: to think about going to your pediatrician, going to somebody like me, a behavioral sleep medicine expert is, yeah, if your child can't stay awake during school, I see lots of kids that fall asleep during school and they can't stay awake. If your child is really, really irritable, if they're having a lot of behavioral problems that are unlike them or worse than they were, you know, if they even maybe don't have an appetite Or they might even be eating more. So if you see changes, you'll be like, oh, this child, you know, they seem like they're not getting enough sleep or their system is off. Maybe their sleep is really irregular. You know, I see a lot of kids like that. So then get help. Get help. Because, I mean, I see people and they're like, why didn't I come to you five years ago, 10 years, you know, because there's a lot we can do behaviorally. What would you define
1: as irregular sleep?
0: So irregular sleep, I would say if it goes beyond like maybe an hour and a half, either way, I would kind of, cause that's a sleep cycle approximately. So like if you're sleeping in more than an hour and a half, but some people can tolerate that. Like when I was a teenager, I would sleep until one. It was fine. Life was fine. But some people, if they did that, they would be up till two or three in the morning during the week, right? Right. So everybody is different. But what's a regular for some person might no, be no big deal.
1: And another person, it's like a total train wreck. I you know for adults, we always talk about, oh, don't do these things before bed if you don't want to have insomnia. But for kids, the, those routines might be different. They're not, you know, for little kids, they might not be scrolling through social media for right. you know, kids, maybe they are. But it, are there are there a few things that kids do before bed that might lay delay their sleep or keep them awake? Well, I mean, I think the, the same thing
0: as for adults is exposure to light. I mean, we have to be careful about that with kids. Um, you know, we have to make sure, I mean, some people <clears throat> that are very serious about this in the circadian rhythm research world are adamant that there should be no screens within like an hour or two of bedtime. But the research is really equivocal on that with kids. You know, some kids can tolerate that. And for some kids, it's a way to kind of calm down and relax. So I try to kind of go on a case-by-case basis. But, you know, it's probably not great to have a huge screen and you don't want to have it on bright light and you're just right here, you know, right before you go to bed. And then people are like, well, you should be really calm and laying down before, you know, bedtime for like hours or something. And I say, while your child is laying around, they're building, they're burning off adenosine that sleep hormone that you want them to have. You want them to have that. Just like if we lay down on the couch after work, we're burning through our sleep hormone. So it's okay to keep playing and be active. A bedtime routine, this is another important thing. A bedtime routine should only be about 20 minutes. I find a lot of people will have a bedtime routine that's one or two hours they take of their evening, putting the kids to bed. No, just 20 minutes is fine. And then it'll take them 20 to 30 minutes to fall asleep. That's fifty minutes. That's it.
1: Um, Let's talk about, um, especially with the time change and naps, because I feel like that's, that was what was always giving me anxiety about seeing the clock move either an hour forward or an hour back. Um, Then I'm thinking, gosh, now they're going to nap either an hour later or an hour earlier. And it's, Is there any way to adjust that nap time, especially because, you know, lunch, if if kids are in a daycare situation or if kids are doing school half day or in activities, sometimes the schedule isn't dictated by just staying at home and you have control over it. But with that nap time, how would you recommend families go around that?
0: Okay. And similar to how I'm about bedtime, I'm a fan for chilled out naps. I mean, you don't want them to be too late, and you don't want them to be too long. You don't want to force them so you get into conflict with your child. So you're kind of paying attention to your child's sleepiness cues, which I think we don't do enough as parents. I mean, I did that, but I was a behavioral sleep medicine expert. My husband would be like, why are you letting them do that? I'm like, well, they're not sleepy yet, you know, so... I really paid attention to sleepiness cues. So yeah you can your nap might move, it might move earlier or later, it might be short, it might be longer, but just make sure they're not sleeping really long, later in the day and you're good.
1: What are you what do you define as sleepiness cues? What are What should we be looking for to make sure that they're sleeping?
0: Like okay, so for example, during the day if you're wondering if it's time for their nap, you know are they yawning or they're rubbing their eyes, Are they being like even more irritable or whiny or clingy, then you're like, okay, might be time. But then, you know, if you lay them down and they're not asleep within 15 minutes or so, then they're, let them come back up. You know, I have parents that'll lay them down for like an hour or something waiting for them to fall asleep. They don't fall asleep. So what's the point of that? That's a sleepiness cute. the same at night. They'll tell you when they're older, I'm sleepy, I wanna go to bed, right? And I even have kids as young as eight that'll tell me, yeah, I go to bed when I'm sleepy now, not trying to force it because every day is different. We are not robots. We don't turn off our brain at 8.30 or nine or 10, even as adults, you don't fall asleep at exactly the same time because every day is
1: different. That's you know. I think we get stuck on this Kids have to be in such a rigid routine to give them consistency. And I think we forget that, that every day is different for them too. And like yes. what they ate and how much they ate and how much exercise they got. And right. how, right. Much, so how much, much were they, they
0: outside? Before. Did they yeah. socialize? Did they run errands? Were they with the family? Were they with big groups? I think how every single day is different. Mm-hmm. And therefore That's why the do we expect sleep to be
1: exactly the same and naps? Why do we expect that, right? Right. And, and that leads me to the other issue that I think one of my coworkers just asked. I just recently went through, I think every parent goes through, um, when to tell when a kid is giving up naps. And the, the funny thing about this was I, if my six-year-old, if I put her down in her bed in the middle of the day, she would still take a nap. And now my three-year-old, we just went through that. There's no way she's napping anymore. She's She's done with it. And another coworker of mine that I was talking to this morning, her daughter is turning to, and she's wondering, is she done with naps? How can a parent tell that the child is done with naps? Because I feel like age doesn't really matter.
0: Yeah, you know what, I love that because I am here to help with mommy guilt or parent guilt. Um, yes, it's like there are kids that are too, that give up naps. In fact, I always tell people there's literature that more intelligent children or children that score higher on these paths of intelligence actually give up naps sooner. So you can say like people are guilting you about having a two-year-old who doesn't nap. And it's like, well, my child is just highly intelligent and those children give up naps sooner. So, you know. Right. So we should start applying
1: to Yale and Stanford. Yes, and exactly. <laughs> But,
0: you know, yeah, it's like talking to the child. Do they want a nap and paying attention to bedtime sleep? If you're having trouble with them falling asleep at night, if you're having middle of the night wake-ups where they're coming in and bugging you or having trouble falling back to sleep, ditch the nap. That's one of the first things that I do. And I have a huge beef with daycares and preschools that force napping. That is a huge problem. I cannot tell you how many times that I write letters to them to say, this child must not nap. So please be an advocate for your child. And don't just be like, oh, well, that's the role at the daycare. No, like you have a right, this is a medical issue for your child to not nap at daycare and they should find something for your child to do.
1: It's funny you bring that up because uh, my friend was just talking about how her her almost, she's about to turn two, her two-year-old won't nap at home, but will nap at her daycare. So she's and wondering, well, why is it, this situation, is it environment at that point?
0: Yeah, and you know, I think that's fine. I mean, if the child is napping at daycare, but not at home, but it seems fine, and they can still sleep at night, that's totally fine. And I see that a lot.
1: Hmm. That's really interesting. <laughs> um, it's just, it, it's it's so, t- I feel like it's just such a tough thing to figure out when kids go through that phase. Um, Yeah, you know, I just want to say that it's actually, you know, you
0: have to expect it's going to be a little rocky, like when you're Mm -hmm. giving up your nap, because just think they're not used to hitting that sleepy bubble during the day, like we hit like three, I hit it like at six, because I'm a night owl. But, you know, it's hard for us as adults to not want to, you know, just lay down and take a nap, or we might be a little more irritable or a little more distracted. So kids are learning how to get through that because parents will be like, well, my kid was crankier, we'll give them time to adjust. Because they might be a little crankier for a little bit and then see how it goes.
1: Another topic that always comes up and you kind of touched upon it where kids get out of bed and then they come into their parents' room at night. Um, I have a lot of friends who are dealing with that where the younger kids wake up in the middle of the night, come into their bed and they're thinking, well, they sleep here. They're not sleeping in their bed, but we don't want them learning Mm. to come in here and sleep in our bed. How do we get them to stay yeah, in room and in their own bed and sleep through the night. And, and this is not just little, little ones. I mean, I'm oh. hearing from parents that it's, you know, kids all the way up to age 10 that still do this.
0: Oh, yeah, I've had teenagers that are anxious that still want to go sleep. You know, it's a slippery slope. I deal with it all day long, every day, if you need my help or somebody else's help, come see me. But yes, it's a slippery slope. And once you start doing that, And then you kind of, the the problem is parents are like strict, lenient, strict, lenient. And that's the worst thing. you If your kid is sick or something, let's say you let them co-sleep for a bit and that's okay. But when they're well, it's back to bed. It's not like, oh, well, I feel sorry for them tonight. So that is the hardest reinforcement schedule to break. You have to be like, like, okay, and find a, some time like when they turn a certain age, when something happens, when they move to a new room, be like, okay, now you're sleeping in your room. If you come in, I'm escorting you back to bed. Pick a very strong time and don't give in because it will just keep happening. And are you putting your kid to bed too early? Again, 90% of the time, that's one of the things I do. They can't fall back to sleep because they're in bed for too long. So think about
1: that. Yeah. Um I I will use myself an exit as an example again. I, I'll yeah. throw myself under the bus. I um my youngest, like I said, had trouble going to sleep at night and, and we were going through the whole, you know, is she giving up naps? Is she not? Uh yeah. she was just she was a rough bedtime routine situation. It was it was getting to the point where there was some screaming for a couple hours. And so we yeah. we gave her. The melatonin gummies. Well, now she's asking for them pretty consistently. And we try not to do it every night, but we are, you know, we're thinking, well, if she, you know, if if she had a nap or whatever, how is that okay to give kids gummies? Where do you stand on like giving the melatonin? Is it as needed? Is it something that kids can have on a consistent basis? Does that mess up their sleep if they have it pretty regularly?
0: You know, thank you so much for bringing up melatonin. I mean, it's really a circadian rhythm hormone. It's a clock hormone that our brain produces, the pineal gland of the hypothalamus produces in an hour or two before we fall asleep. And then it kind of signals beep, 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 it's time to go to sleep. We keep making it halfway through the night. And then the second half of the night it's cleared from our brain and then gone, time to get up. So, but the problem with melatonin is it is a hormone. And even though we already make it, it can affect other hormones in the body, such as estrogen. So personally, and based upon the literature, I would say if you're going to use melatonin, you need to use it in conjunction with a professional, someone like me, someone like a pediatrician, someone like a psychiatrist, because it's not just a benign thing to do. Um, and it's really not supposed to be used for insomnia. It's more supposed to be used for circadian rhythm disorders, like people that are falling asleep at two or three in the morning and you're trying to bring back, you know, their sleep phase. I mean, yes, it works for little kids and I use it sparingly. But just in your normal kid, like you're talking about, um, it's it's not horrible, but I would say go to a, an expert to really get
1: advice. Right. It's it's interesting because I Talk to a lot of friends about it and some say, well, it's a vitamin, so it should be okay. But then I've had others, it's a hormone. Just, that's, you know what, it's, I'm glad you said it was a hormone because yeah. in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, you're right. It's a vitamin. That's it's like taking vitamin take, C, right? Like you, yeah. you, know,
0: you can just take it, but no, right. it is a hormone okay. and it can affect other hormones. So I feel like, unfortunately, some of these over the counter things, you know, are you know, people just are like, oh, it's over the counter. So it's safe. But we all know that that's not necessarily true. So I wouldn't want to alarm people unduly or guilt them if you've been using it so far. I mean, we use it on kids as young as two, like judiciously, you know, but so I don't want people to feel guilty, like, oh, my goodness, I've messed up my kids hormones. No, you're probably you're fine. Yeah, but I would just say be more judicious and cautious and maybe talk to somebody like me or pediatrician, psychiatrist, like, some other person that's very knowledgeable developmental behavioral pediatrician, Mm. you know, before you do that, because if you're having problems that you're seeking that, what other things could I be doing? Like I talked about your bedtime, you know, the opportunity for sleep might be too long. They might be napping too much. They might be sleeping in too much on the weekend. They might be too sedentary. Like these are all things that I check for and a lot then sometimes melatonin, I don't need it. Yeah.
1: The, what was really interesting was we, you and I did an interview on a totally different subject one other time, and I, it was at the height of my struggles with my youngest, who I, I ended up giving melatonin to because she was, yep. um, we were sitting there wondering, does she have, um, some sort of other behavioral issue because it was, her routine was so strict at night. And I'm bringing this up because I think this will help other parents. We've broken this routine and right. we've gotten through it. But she needed the same f- three or four blankets in the right order. She needed her uh, stuffed animals in a certain order. And they needed to have um, a certain blanket the certain way. And she needed to have her cup of water. And it needed to be in a certain uh-huh. spot. And she, she was so rigid about what she said she needed. And I was so confused about that. You helped clear up what was really going on. So if you can talk about, like, for kids who I've, I've had friends go, I don't know, does she or you know, OCD, like what is, happening? what is it happening in their minds when it has to be such a particular and rigid uh, routine at night?
0: That is such a great question. I mean, it can be many things, you know, it can be that, yes, your family might have a history of anxiety and you could be seeing this. And do you see behaviors like that during the day is what I would want to know. Um, Or is it because this child is having trouble falling asleep? They're not sleepy enough. So it's almost like these little magical ways, just like the parent totem. Like, okay, if this is this way, I'll be able to fall asleep better. Because think about it, it is boring to lay there. Like think about yourself. Like I am on my phone before I fall asleep. If I had to lay there for a half hour, literally doing nothing, that would be boring to me. How do we expect a two-year-old or three-year-old to literally lay there doing nothing for 20 or 30 minutes? So I feel like they do all these magical things because it makes them feel like it helps them to sleep. And then if you move it, they're freaking out because they don't want to be bored and laying there or have parents be mad at them. The parents are mad. They're like, why aren't you asleep? You know, why aren't you trying to sleep? Or they come up and bug the parent, right?
1: Yeah, that was it. And that was, you hit it on the head and it helped me so much, which is another reason why I wanted to bring it up is that I'm convinced. That my three-year-old was trying to convince herself, this is what they want me to do. They want me to be sleepy. All right, I have to do this so that I can fall asleep. And then, you know, she would scream, my husband would get mad and I'm getting frustrated because I need to go to sleep for my schedule. It was bad. So, so that really did help us a lot. Yay. Um, Breaking that routine. And then she ended up giving up naps, which was super insightful. Yay. I'm so happy to hear. Yeah. And before we go, I I think my, my final question would just be with, um, like kind of wrapping it all up Daylight saving time, ending the nights are, it's going to start to get dark at (laughs) that horrible time of like 5 p.m. It's dark. Right. Right. I hate that any sort of advice that you have for families, adults, and kids as we start to go through like the darker hours and and the more, to me, it always feels like sleepier hours of the year.
0: Right, and you know, I think in general, try to get sunlight as much as you can. And some people use those therapy lights. There's been some research that 30% of people um, have symptoms of seasonal affective disorder over the winter time. So pay attention to that with your children too. So try to get a lot of sunlight. Try to be very active. You know, don't just end your day when the sun goes down. And don't, you know, just pay attention to your child's sleepiness cues and be careful of that wake up time, particularly on the weekend. But like, don't be crazy, you know, in terms of like you said, six. <laughs> but you know, don't let them sleep in
1: too much. Yeah great advice. Dr. Carolyn Ivers-Landis, thank you so much. This is always, I'm sure I'm going to get emails with a ton of other questions, so we'll have to have you back, especially as we spring ahead. Uh, in oh, and night. that's
0: even harder, right? It that's is. So
1: oh, hard. I dread <laughs> it. I hate well, it. Yeah. Thank you so much for all of your advice, and thank you to, for tuning in to the Mom's Squad pod, and we'll see you right back here next week. Thanks for listening to Mom Squad Pod with Maureen Kyle from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update. And find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on the WKYC app.